You're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Canberra. In this Rediscovering Christmas message, Nathan Ricabo talks about Jesus being God becoming man using John chapter 1 verses 1 to 18 as his scriptural foundation. Please note that we've had some technical difficulties recording this message, so it does not start at the beginning of his message. And this idea that Jesus is fully God and fully man is a very difficult concept to grasp, but it is foundational to our faith in Christianity. Some of you may be familiar with the Nicene Creed, uh, part of which I just want to quickly read out to you. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father, through him all things were made. It's actually a very interesting story, the origins of this creed. And I hope you may indulge me for just a few minutes as I provide a very brief um, summary of this uh, particular creed and its origins. Consider this a a Christmas story that is not actually at all a Christmas story. Because you see, in the first 300 years of the church, no passage captured the Christian theologians' minds more than this prologue that we have just read in uh, the book of John. That is because of its very direct message that Jesus, the Word, was both with God and was God. They needed to consider and reconcile this triune nature of God, how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit could all be God if there was only one God. And it caused a lot of debate amongst the early church. And unfortunately, it also caused a lot of false teachings and heretical ideas to come out. One of these false teachings of note was in the early third century. It was known as modalistic monarchianism. Now, you don't need to remember the term, but the concept is essentially that there was no trinity, and instead God was something like a transformer. He was God the Father in some cases, but then he'd switch to God the Son, for example, when he dwelt among us, and today in the church age, he is God the Spirit. Now, very quickly, the early church had to quickly dismiss this particular type of teaching because the New Testament clearly taught otherwise. For example, the prologue taught that Jesus was both with God and was God. He couldn't have been that if he was changing forms. Also, in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, where Jesus tells his followers to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, not one or the other. There are many other examples in the Bible that also back up this claim and refute this idea of modalistic monarchianism. Well, later on in the fourth century, about 100 years later, a man named Arius began teaching another false doctrine, and that became known as Arianism. Arius began to teach that Jesus was actually the very first created being. He was the Word. And through the Word, God created all other things. Eventually, God the Father adopted the Word as his Son and provided it with divine status. Now, to make a long story short, this very new false doctrine caused the need for a group of bishops and church elders under the mandate of Emperor Constantine in 325 AD to get together and to resolve once and for all the truth of what Christianity taught about the deity of Christ. The gathering, which became known as the Council of Nicaea, 
resolved that Jesus Christ is and has always been God the Son, the second part of the Trinity. And in this way, he was of the same substance and the same essence as God the Father. He was not created. He was not a different mode that God transitioned into. He was in this triune relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Today, this understanding of Jesus as fully God and fully man continues. And the Nicene Creed is core to many of the church's um, today's statement of faith. And that includes ours here at Every Nation. Now, to some of you, this may have been a part of history that you already know. Uh, to others, perhaps you've learned something new. And to others still, that may have been too much of a history lesson for a Saturday morning. But that's okay. I give this story to illustrate a certain point. That when we try to unpack what it means that Jesus Christ is the God-man, it can be really difficult to try and properly understand. Even the church fathers, who were only a couple of hundred years removed from the direct source of the apostles and of Jesus, had a very difficult time contemplating what it meant that Jesus was the God-man, and also having to refute incorrect teachings. That's because God's attributes, they're mysterious, they're complex, they're far too difficult for us in our human capacity to ever fully understand. There's his eternal nature, there's his Trinitarian essence, there's the fact that, you know, God is able to create something out of nothing. When you really think about it, it boggles the mind. But the intricacies of how Jesus is both God and man is not what we are going to focus on this morning. Otherwise, we may be here for hours, and let's face it, I'm on a bit of a clock because we're all pretty keen for that Thanksgiving lunch after service. No, what I want to focus on is not how Jesus is fully God and fully man, but instead I want to focus on the fact that he is fully God and fully man. Because to me, just as unfathomable as it is of God's nature, having all these things we've talked about, is the fact that when this holy, powerful, and reverent God sees us sinning, turning away from him, disobeying, doing our own wicked things, he doesn't choose to just wipe the slate clean and try again even though we know that he has the power to do so. Instead, God had a different plan. God became man. The infinite became finite. The eternal entered time. The creator stepped into creation, and the word became flesh. And God the Son didn't just come down and put on a human costume to do this work. He really did become one of us and really did dwell among us. There were no shortcuts in God's plan to become man as he even began his humanity as a little baby boy. Think about how crazy that is for a second. That the eternal word by which all things were created through, the light which gives life to all man and human, the begotten son who inherits all of the world, and everything that lives in it. He was born in a manger. He was surrounded by farm animals. And the first to see him were humble shepherds. And why is it that he stooped so low? Because he loved us. He did it so that we could experience the glory and the grace of God. In becoming a man, he became a suitable savior for mankind. He lived under the law that we could not fully adhere to. 
and he experienced the temptations that we do every day, which cause us to break that law. But in, he is also fully God. He was able to give us a glimpse of all of God's true attributes, including his holy nature, which meant that he was able to fully follow this law to perfection, to never sin, and he became the unblemished sacrifice that would take our place on the cross. God's actions to step down into creation shows us not only the nature of his love, but it also reflects this beautiful simplicity that the gospel has, particularly as told here in the prologue of John. Because even though this prologue has been deep enough for all these great theologians in history to drown in, it's also shallow enough, simple enough for the most junior of Christians to be able to read and to understand. Because the gospel, the good news, is that God has provided a way for all people to be saved, not just for the Jews or for the Gentiles, not just for the rich or for the poor, not just for the uneducated or for the educated. In verse 12 of our reading, John says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God does not require us to understand him. Even that Nicene Creed that we read, it doesn't try to break down the deity of Christ, only that he is indeed God and of the same substance as the Father. Christianity does not rely on being able to explain what God is or how God is or how Jesus is both God and man. It simply requires us to believe this with all our heart. To believe that Jesus, God the Son, came down to earth as a man and lived a perfect life. That he had to do so, so that he could fulfill the need of a perfect and sinless man to be the substitutionary sacrifice to redeem all of mankind who themselves were imperfect and full of sin. It's faith in Christ that saves us. It's not works, and it's not a need to be a great theologian. As Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Paul reminds us that Jesus, God the Son, became a man and lived with us so that we may live in faith and just as importantly live by faith for him who died for us. As the year draws to a close, I want you to reflect on the year that you've had with this question. Are you living by faith? Was God first in your life this year? Or did you allow the world to distract you and to have you prioritize its temptations and its activities over him? Were there moments when you chose not to share your faith? with your colleagues when you had that opportune moment to share the gospel with them? Did you ever let your Christian identity become a matter of pride and you think of yourself better than the people around you because you are someone who's chosen by God? Or perhaps it was the opposite and you didn't think at all about your Christian identity, living at least six out of the seven days of the week in a way that didn't show that you lived by faith. I'm very happy to see this morning everyone here today at church, and I would love to continue to see these sort of numbers outside of the Christmas period as well. God, with all of his power and all of his holy righteousness, 
decided to take a path of great humility, of mercy, and of love to save us. So if you are saved, show it in the way that you live. Think about how 2024 can be a better year for living by faith. Let us remember what it means that God became man, so that all who did receive him, all that who believe in the name of Jesus Christ, are given the right to become the children of God. It's a short message today, but I hope that you take this with you and you bring it forward to the end of the year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for the people here in this room who have given their time, given their efforts to come together to prepare a meal in Thanksgiving. And Lord, as we gather together today to enjoy a meal in Thanksgiving for your provision, for all your blessings, for all your love, let us not forget the ultimate act that you did for us. That you, our God, sent your son to come to earth as a man so that we could see your glory and so that we could experience your redemption. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us when we don't deserve it. Thank you for allowing us to be adopted into your family and help us to increase in righteousness so that we may live by faith name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you everyone. Thank you Nathan. Lord we thank you for the preaching of your word today. That you became man so that we can live in faith in you. We thank you Lord for this day that we can come together as a church. Not just because it's Christmas but because we value the importance of community. We come together today, Lord, to give you thanks. This might not have been the best year for most of us, but just the same. Salamat, Panginoon. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your goodness, and your mercy to each and every one of us for meeting us at our point of need when we were at our lowest, when rejoicing with us when we, were, when we were at the peak. Lord, we thank you because you are faithful. Salamat po, Panginoon. We thank you, we honor you, and we glorify you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more podcasts and for more information on Every Nation Canberra, please visit everynationcanberra.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra and on Instagram at instagram.com slash encanberra. We meet every Saturday at 104 The Valley Avenue, Gungalan. Would you like to be connected to a tag group? Email us at everynationcanberra at gmail.com.